When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. All right, Reds, Tony Evans here, but walk on your Liverpool podcast from The Athletic. Bobby got his goal, but Unai Emery's villains spoiled the Anfield farewell party. We'll talk about Liverpool's hardly plausible Champions League hopes and how they're over, or well, at least they look over, with James Pearce and Kiva O'Neill. But let's start with your three words. Kiva. Fare thee well to Liverpool, some Liverpool heroes, and to a season I think we'd all rather maybe forget. Yeah. I suppose, well, we'll forget most of it. Blank most of it out. But there were some highlights, wasn't there? I mean, let's face it. You don't beat Manchester United 7-0 every season. So, I mean, there is a little bit to take. No, let's forget it. James, three Just words. Just that game. That's the only thing to take, is it? It is, isn't it? James, three words. Day of emotion. Oh, yes. It was. It was very emotional. Well, let's see what they're saying on the Walk On Podcast Facebook group. Phil Kane said sums up season, uh, fair point. Darren Tolsma, Europa League favourites. Well, well, we'll see who else is in there first. Rob Mills, a PGMOL conspiracy. And Gareth Allen, love you, Bobby. Uh. To join our community of listeners on Facebook, just search Walk On Podcast and join the group. Well, for me, no goal, goal, and it was a fitting send-off. But Liverpool's season is effectively over, isn't it, James? Yes, yeah. I think um, j- just sitting there listening to Jurgen Klopp after the game on Saturday, you know, effectively conceded defeat in that race for the top four. I think he knew deep down that Liverpool had to be perfect to have any chance. And um, yeah, with, with that winning run grinding to a halt, as we see here now, Newcastle and United just each need one point, don't they, to to guarantee uh, their place in the top four. And you can't see with the games they've got left them failing to achieve that. So, um, yeah, it was. I, I, I definitely think the emotion of the day affected Liverpool on Saturday because it was it was such a disjointed, scrappy performance that certainly didn't deserve anything more than a point. You know, I know there was a fair bit of controversy with some big decisions that. I'm sure we'll come on to, but um, they were just just ragged. Really, it was almost it was almost like the, the this seven match winning run hadn't really happened. Watching them, especially first half, when they you know Klopp, I thought summed it up pretty well when he said we were just in a rush, a rush to do everything. You know, with the ball, without the ball, there was no real cohesive structure or plan. And you know, but for the missed penalty, Villa Villa would have been out of sight before that um, that kind of late resurgence. The reality is, over the course of the season, Liverpool haven't been good enough to hold on to that cherished Champions League status. Just too many mistakes, too many times when morale has been sapped by errors and just took them too long, didn't it, in the season to find their feet. 
Yeah, and they never really found the feet on Saturday. I mean, it was a clumsy start, wasn't it, Kiva? And Canarte giving away that penalty. <gasps> yeah, it just felt from where I was sat in row one of the main stand, quite close to the away end, actually. You know, it just felt like a completely different angle to watch Liverpool from, to be honest, because you're sort of like almost like eye level with the pitch, but just watching Liverpool and how, you know, quick they were spraying the ball probably wasn't quick enough. That sort of continued throughout the game. It just felt like they didn't have the edge and the confidence that maybe we've seen them with in it definitely in recent weeks. But I think maybe was that just sort of gonna be the case, like James says, it's an emotional final game at Anfield for obviously, you know, some key players in the past few years. And I just think maybe the season as a whole was almost already, you know, they were trying to trying to sort of patch up and fix up a season that, you know, they'd messed up in too many times before and it did prove to be the case, didn't it? Those games in early January, whenever you want to mention even the start of the season and we've seen some incredible performances from them as well. I think the hope you take is that they can put together runs like this and the game could have quite easily turned out to be a Villa win. Liverpool avoided that and as we will probably come to discuss, it could have easily turned out to be a Liverpool win as well with that goal being ruled out. Yeah, I mean, watching Jürgen in the stands, you could see his frustration, James. He really was. But probably good job he was there because he would have gone ballistic, wouldn't he, with that Mings challenge on Gakpo? Yeah, yeah. I must admit, I, I, I can't for the life of me make sense of how VAR hasn't told John Brooks to go to the monitor and look at that because as soon as it happened, they just thought his foot is so dangerously high. And then you talk about well, what kind of force was it was there behind it? You know, was it endangering an opponent? And and then Gagpo pulls his shirt up. You know, he's got these horrendous like red red marks on his chest. So there's your answer. So I, I wouldn't Papa necessarily Freddy Krueger stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, just you know, Bruce Lee and the Enter the Dragon. Yeah. His shirt was ripped, so he didn't even necessarily yeah. need to go to the monitor had he missed that, because yeah. you just see that, and surely you think... Yeah, I just don't get it. I just don't... I mean, I, I can understand how John Brooks missed it initially, because, of course, things happen so fast, but, you know, that's what VAR is there for. I, you know, as soon as, as soon as I saw the replay back, it was like, well, he's obviously... He's off. You know, like, that is that is the absolute definition of what VAR is there for to say to the referee, actually, do you know what? I think you've probably misjudged. Maybe you didn't have the perfect view of just how dangerous that was and the damage he's done to an opponent. And just, yeah, how VAR has looked at that and gone, no, you're spot on, it's only a yellow, is absolutely ridiculous. And obviously that, you know, the frustration grows on the fact that then VAR does send Brooks to look at the monitor late on about, you know, that subjective offside decision, which again, for the life of me, I just do not understand the idea that Konza didn't deliberately play that ball. You know, he, he ruled it was a deflection off him, didn't he, rather than an attempt to play the ball. It's like, you've got to actually question, why would a defender in that position not try and play the ball? It's just, mm. that's his job, to try and play the ball, to try and make the block and try and halt what was a very dangerous situation. So, yeah, I know there'd be all kinds of, there were, well, there were all kinds of conspiracy theories on them. Um, on social media, especially because, of course, it was John Brooks that that Klopp, um, you know, celebrated in his face after that late winner against Tottenham, and you could say it was a slightly insensitive appointment by PGMOL to put him in charge of a Liverpool game so soon after. I, I you know, I, I think it was just a case of VAR badly failed on the day. Well, I mean, we don't want to get into another 
VAR discussion. But it's rubbish, isn't it? It's made the game worse, and it's it's made refereeing even more difficult. It's it's madness. It's madness. But do you think, Kiva, that without Klopp on the sidelines, the you know the team, Mister's energy, Mister's impetus that he provides from there. Yeah, do you think that? I think looking along, sort of to you know from where I was sat, and I'm sort of level, and you're seeing Pep Linders doing sort of Klopp's job for him, but it just it did lack that sort of Jurgen Klopp's there, and like the amount of barking and shouting he does at his players. Even just there was a time I think when Trent sort of looked back towards the technical area and. Klopp wasn't there and he sort of quickly turned away I think he'd maybe like misplaced the pass or done something he shouldn't have done yeah. and he sort of looked over and I noticed him do it he was he was you know on the other side of the pitch and Klopp wasn't there and then he just sort of quickly looked back like oh yeah he's not there to say you know what are you doing there because he would have he was going to acknowledge it or maybe he was looking to you know shout something to him or see what he see what he was going to say obviously he wasn't there so that must just take the players out of their rhythm you know they've got this person that's just constantly like you know like this angry PT sort of you know making you go through your levels to get to where they want you to be and that's you know exactly why Liverpool have been so good under Jurgen Klopp because he has been that coach that's you know made his players go to that extra level and I think if he's not there as close as he can be to them then you know that's always going to be a negative thing I mean I'm always baffled that coaches and managers can shout loud enough for players to to hear them you know when Anfield's at its loudest yeah you know Jurgen Klopp get heard by Liverpool players is um, quite something isn't it yeah I mean that always astounds me you know it's how can you communicate in that sort of atmosphere but they seem to do it I mean do they have voices like dog whistles that only players can hear I don't know but as Phil Kane said on Facebook James the game summed up the season, falling behind first, giving themselves work to do. And despite rallying late on, they weren't able to get the job done. It does seem to sum it up, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. And you know, probably a little bit of a reality check as well after all the the positivity of the last six or seven weeks. And there, there definitely has been some progress made. And I think, as we've talked about in recent weeks, regardless of whether it was going to lead to a top four finish or not, it was so important to restore some positivity and momentum going into the summer. And I think you could sense that afterwards at Anfield when, you know, they were doing the traditional lap of appreciation. And, you know, for such an underwhelming season, you contrast that with all the empty seats at the Emirates, you know, the the other week when, you know, when Arsenal's hopes of silverware died effectively. And, you know, you look at you look at Anfield absolutely packed to the rafters, you know, still forty five minutes, an hour after the game and a lot of applause and and thanks. And I think so. This run has restored, I think, hope for the future. That we, you know, everyone knows this is a big summer in the transfer window. That that Liverpool can do what's needed to to kick on and and get back to where they were. But but yeah, I'd say Saturday did did just about sum up the season because it it wasn't good enough. And you know, there were, it was there were just you know. I, I think Klopp said himself after. I think it was his interview to BBC. He said he went into the dressing room and said, you know. Who, who can actually say that they were great today? And the the honest answer is no one, because I don't think anyone was anywhere near the level that they have been during this winning run. And 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 you you know I think you've got to give Villa some credit because you know they've been a resurgent force since Unai Emery took over there. So yeah, I think I think if anyone was getting carried away by by the winning run, the, the seven on the trot, that was kind of like. That that was kind of actually yeah. Do you know what a, a reminder there of the issues that do still exist, 
and that we all know need to be addressed with some serious investment in the in the window. Definitely, definitely. Uh, a final point on Bobby. Nicholas Hemwood from the Isle of Man's emails in to say he's criminally un- underrated by those outside Liverpool and unanimously adored by those in it. Well, I think he sums it up there, isn't he? So get in touch by email and walk dash on at theathletic.com. Pre-season will be massive. Everyone knows that you know we have been going through a little bit of a transition. And if I'm a player under Elias and I have options to to um, to go to the next step, and Liverpool's knocking on my door, then obviously I will be very very interested. Yeah. Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast from the Athletic. Here with James Pearce and Kiefer O'Neill. James, you spoke to Virgil Van Dijk after the game. And from what he says there, it sounds like we could have a very different setup next year. You know, he's quite excited about it by the sounds of it. Yeah, he was. Again, they kind of touched on what what we said, but earlier about the kind of the general positivity. You know, as Van Dyke was was kind of like was was kind of carrying on that theme really of that there wasn't that sense of doom and gloom around Anfield afterwards because they have salvaged some pride in the in the latter stages of the season. And, he talked about the mix of youth and experience in the squad and, and the fact that, you know, it is a bit of an end of an era with four, you know, senior players moving on at the end of their contracts and how, you know, everyone knows there's going to be this injection of quality into the squad with, with new faces. So, um, yeah, and he was, you know, he, he kind of said about everything he'd heard about pre-season. It was going to be intense, um, you know, Klopp getting the, the training camp in Germany that he wants early on in pre-season, which, of course, a year ago, Liverpool went to the Far East very early on in pre-season and Klopp, I think, felt that wasn't ideal in terms of the preparation. And so this time around, you know, Klopp's got the pre-season that he wants, you know, mapped out exactly what, the way that he thinks will be the best possible preparation for that for that new campaign. With the, Obviously, the two games in Singapore won't be till the, the very back end of pre-season, really. You know, Van Dijk said himself that, Despite the absence of Champions League football, as is highly likely now, he said, you know, if I'm a player on the outside looking in, I'd be looking at it and looking at the talent in this squad, you know, the the youngsters coming through and think, yeah, I want to be a part of that. And it might just be a bit of short term pain having to, uh, to take a season outside of the Champions League for for the longer term gain of being being part of this kind of second, what we hope will be an iconic Klopp team that he's that he's putting together. So yeah, Van, there was certainly no do, no doom and gloom from Virgil Van Dijk apart from apart from his frustration over that disallowed goal because I think he also made an important point on that was that you know he said why do we not have proper transparency in terms of being able to listen to the audio between the referee and the fourth official sorry the V the, the VAR um, in terms of how they reach that because he said he made the point that in Holland. Um, that's what they have, you know. He said, and officials actually front up afterwards, face the media, and explain big decisions. So you have that transparency. And he said, you know, that was his parting words. I think he said, uh, he said, he just, he said, you know, all right, you know, you can write. Why do we not have the same in England? And he said, there, I've given you a line, haven't I? And then walked off. <laughs> See you later, Virgil. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is quite interesting that he brought that up because obviously Howard Webb was on Sky, wasn't he? I think last Monday and sort of showing clips and the audio as well of you know the VAR and obviously you know the referee and that was so insightful and interesting obviously they'd pick the ones that they wanted to show but I just think you know having that 
available after games would be amazing. And like, why isn't it available? Because that transparency surely is important. So if we see, you know, the goal again and sort of, you know, when they're watching VAR and going through and deciding that it's, you know, offside, then isn't that important for us to understand the reasons why? I don't understand why you wouldn't want to sort of just start that. That's because the rules don't, there's no rules anymore. They make it up as they go along. It's mad. You you just can't. You can't judge anything, can you? That's the weird thing. You look at it and you go, you know, I've seen a lot of football. I'm, I'm old. And, you know, you used to be able to go, oh, yeah, that's offside. Now you're like, oh, is that offside? Is that handball? I don't know. And when, you know, when the audience doesn't know, you're right, Kiva. You need to explain it. You need to explain it. We also need to explain this season. Let's be honest. It's been a failure, hasn't it? No trophies, never in the title race, out of both domestic cups before the quarterfinal stage, heaviest defeat at home in Europe, failure to qualify for the Champions League. It's not what we expected. They've underachieved, haven't they, Kiva? Yeah, they definitely have. When you look at last season and, you know, they played 63 games with literally minutes and, you know, maybe a couple of goals in different games, especially the, the Champions League final from, from winning the absolute lot. To see sort of the drop off isn't like a massive, I don't know, it shocked us, didn't it? But it, when you look back and think, had they achieved, you know, had they won the quadruple, say, then this season could be a write off and that would be okay. But because they didn't quite get there, it just that hunger and that hope for them to, to get there again, maybe not for, you know, four trophies, but to definitely be battling the hell for all of them was there. The fan base felt like this was, you know, still a special time and such a special group of players. But that sort of unraveled straight away. Obviously, they won the Community Shield and then it was a Fulham. It was kind of just like just this energy of, you know, the fight back never quite got over the line and they drew that game. And from there, it just sort of never caught up with itself. And then you mention injuries, different things happen. And I think now you're looking back on the season and Liverpool weren't in the top four at any point this season, which isn't good enough for Liverpool Football Club and obviously what they achieved last season. In that way, it is a failure, but I think how they've managed to sort of end the season on a high is a good thing. And there have been positives in there as well. We've already mentioned the 7-0, which is now obviously Liverpool's highlights, you know, VHS coming to stores near you soon. (laughs) And, you know, players like Cody Gakpo joining the club and, you know, how well he's looked when he has played and just how he fits in. So, you know, probably an important first season for Darwin Nunes as well to get to grips with the Premier League. So I think that there have been positives in there as well. You know, it hasn't all been just, you know, a disaster class, has it? There's, there've been good times too, and I think we've enjoyed them when they've when they've arrived. One of the difficult things is you look at Manchester City and you look at the what they're doing now. They're off to Istanbul, which is really, really golden, isn't it? You know, this time of year. <laughs> I mean, 18 years ago, at this moment, I was boarding a train to go from Bucharest to Istanbul. A brilliant experience, and they're going there. They're taking with them 115 Premier League churches of financial irregularity, and they've changed the landscape, haven't they, James? You know, this is because of what they've done and because of the unlimited wealth they've had access to. They've made it so teams playing against them have no margin for error at all. It's unbelievable. And we've said this before on this podcast, but I don't think people put Liverpool's achievement into perspective in pushing them twice to the last day of the season for the league and actually winning the league against this side. I mean, you know, five out of six titles and Liverpool have stopped them. This, this is a this is a juggernaut that's running through the Premier League. 
you're right. It does. I, I think the when when you think it wasn't that long ago that that Arsenal had what looked a pretty commanding lead, and and people were talking about you know them closing in on getting the job done, and now we're looking at City are going to win, are going to end up ten points clear, aren't they, as champions again? And you, you're right that it. I, I never thought Liverpool really got the the wider credit they deserved for pushing City so much. When you think you know, not just winning the title once, but missed out on the title twice by a single point. And having to just hit ridiculous heights as well. You know, when you get in like mid nineties in terms of overall points tally and it's still not enough to to win your titles. It, and it does put into stark context the challenge facing Klopp because it's like it was hard enough doing it once with that self sustaining business model, you know, wheeling and dealing, trying to find value in the transfer market, trying to find, you know, players you could that had a decent level of experience and potential, but you could elevate them to the next level. And now it's like, you've got to try and do it again. And it's kind of like, that's why this season is, you know, call it transition or you know regression, disappointment, whatever. Liverpool are just stuck between one team and another, really, in terms of the rebuild that's been going on for the last few windows. And that's why this summer is so big in terms of can can they get back to City's level? Because you're right, it's not... It's the depth, isn't it, as well? When you look at City's bench and, you know, the, to be able to, to to sustain a challenge on, you know, three fronts as, as they have done this season, it's like that ability to just make five or six changes and the, the quality doesn't, you know, it just doesn't dip, does it? It's hard. And funny enough, I asked Trent Alexander-Arnold about it when I interviewed him last week and, you know, he, he was like, of course, you know, of course we can. I expect us to be back challenging for the title next season you know, Man City have set the standard. We've managed to to match them for so much of the recent, you know, era, but we've fallen a long way short this season. And, you know, good touching back on what you said earlier on, he said, he said, yeah, it will be a failure, you know, if you don't get, if we don't get top four, which now is effectively gone. Because he said, you know, that for us is the bare minimum. He said, you know, and he said, we should be winning at least a trophy a season. I think I did kind of want to mention what I noticed from, the players on Saturday, which worried me a little bit. And obviously James saying he spoke to Trent and Van Dijk having the same energy of, you know, we can do this. We can battle it out at the top again with City. The thing that they have to get rid of is what crept in on Saturday is that body language just dropping and everyone kind of looking around at each other like, oh, what do we do now? They have to let that go completely going into this next season, you know, with hopefully some exciting new fresh faces as well will help bring that new energy and you know lift them a bit but I just I didn't enjoy sort of watching that drop as soon as obviously Villa go ahead you kind of watching them thinking that's an old trait they've been carrying around all season that looked like they got off the back in recent weeks just sort of crept in a little bit again I think to go all the way with City you definitely need to have you know that just the mentality has to be monstrous as we know and I think you know I'm almost like tired thinking about what teams have to do to compete with Man City I'm tired of you know it's been an emotional couple of weeks anyway but it, it's almost tired and thinking about next season and it's a whole season of however many games like how these players get to this point at the end of the season and look we know they're going to go on some absolutely lovely holidays that a lot of us will never be able to afford or enjoy but it just how they go each week and play you know the amount of games that they play and to put that level where they have for so many years and then to not get over the line at the end of it when they've pushed City so hard. That must be so difficult and they have to just reset that mindset, don't they, going into the next season. James, as much as they need to restock the midfield there, they also need, thinking about the body language, they need characters, don't they? They need leaders. 
someone needs to fill the leadership void that's increasingly happening there. You know, Milner's gone. It seems that Henderson's powers are waning. You know, someone needs to come in there and be that. Come on, let, you know, let's get into them. Yeah, I, but I, I, then I'd say in terms of when you when you look at the players that have come in in the Klopp era, I think I think they have been quite shrewd previously in terms of not just signing the right players in terms of talent, but the right characters as well. Um, and yeah, yeah, you're right. There is a definitely a void there. You know, Milner especially with him moving on because you only had to look at him when he came on 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 Saturday and the camera panned onto him and he was shouting obscenities at teammates within seconds of stepping onto that grass. He wasn't interested remotely in the emotion of that occasion. It was like, we are not losing this game. We are, you know, sort yourselves out. So, so yeah, others do have to step up. I think, I think there, I don't, I don't really see there's a lack of leaders there to be perfectly honest, because you know, you look at Robertson and there's no reason why he can't take on more responsibilities. Captain of Scotland, you know, Salah, you know, yes, he's not a, a shouter, but you know, he's someone who leads by example. And he, you know, he's an international captain as well. You've, of course, you've got Van Dijk as well, Trent Alexander-Arnold. You know, he wants to be a future Liverpool captain. So this looks like the next stage in his kind of uh, development in terms of embracing more responsibility. But, but yeah, you're right in terms of the, the character of those who come in is almost just as important as what they can do with the ball at their feet. Because, um, yeah, it, it is. You know, it, I know we kind of like it becomes a bit of a cliche. And it's, it's a big summer, but it. This one is bigger than bigger than most, just because it, it's very rare, isn't it, to have a situation where four senior players who have been part of such a successful era all leave at the same time, all the three agents. And for no transfer fee? Yeah. Is, yeah, that, yeah, sign, yeah. is that a sign of shoddy management? Because, I mean, should have got something for three of them, shouldn't we? I, I, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? I think, you, you, when you, I think you've got to look at each case on its merits, haven't you? So Firmino... Uh, I think he was offered what a two-year extension on reduced terms, which I think you wouldn't argue with that in terms of his, his role has reduced. You know his his injuries that have increased as well the last season or two. So and and that was very much his decision to move on. Klopp wanted to keep Milner for another year. I think that was very much an ownership decision that they didn't think that was a good use of of resources, considering Milner will be thirty-eight midway through next season. And then I remember like writing last summer, you know, surely you should be looking to move on Cater and Oxlade Chamberlain, you know, down to the last year of their deals. Mm. Both of them, their roles had, had, had reduced. But as was put to me at the time by someone at the club, the players have actually got to want to leave. And there's got to be some kind of offer on the table that makes you think, yes, it makes sense to sell now rather than keep them as squad options for the for the season ahead. And the reality was neither of them was pushing for a move. And and there weren't offers on the table that Liverpool could have taken. So no, it's I mean it just makes the summer that bit more difficult, doesn't it? When and again we've touched on this previously, there isn't. It's not that kind of summer where you think, well, you know, him, 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 and him could all be sold, and that will generate fifty, sixty million. You know, I don't think there's. You know, you look at like when Nico Williams went to went to Forest for decent money, or Rian Brewster went to Sheffield uh, United for. Was it twenty three million or something? I don't think Liverpool don't really have those kind of players this time around because, as we said, you know most of those leaving are leaving for nothing. Yeah, and the biggest fear, Kiva, is that that this year of transition will spill over into next season, and that that's a bit of a concern, isn't it? That's the worry. That's why James and you know we've we've been saying, haven't we? It is a big summer because it's not just a big summer in terms of players leaving and players joining Liverpool, but it's 
you know, making sure things are right going into next season. And if Klopp didn't quite feel that he had that time going into this season, then we've kind of sort of seen that on the pitch, haven't we? That Liverpool didn't quite look maybe rested enough even as well, but just sort of prepared for the season in the way they have been in recent seasons. And I think you know, that'll be key, won't it, to what happens in a year's time. And, you know, it, it is quite sort of interesting to think what will we, we be talking about in a year's time? And like, what does it feel like right now? Because it maybe feels like Liverpool, you know, can't challenge City for a title again. But three new signings and optimism returning, and momentum, everything can click into into place quite quickly. Now it's like almost like a wait and see. But I think there's a there's a feeling in recent weeks that has returned, you know, for fans especially that love and just sort of. Everything sort of seemed to be, you know, the feelings were sort of coming back. The, you know, what Klopp has created at, at, at Liverpool in the past few seasons. I just think the summer's absolutely massive, isn't it, to know where Liverpool are going to be? Yeah, the frustrating thing is you saw flashes. It felt so near the momentum that they've had for the past five years. It felt almost within touching distance, yet we never quite got there. This is Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. In towards Gerard. Oh. Hello. Hello. Here we go. This walk home from The Athletic with me, Tony Evans, James Pierce, and Kiva O'Neill. So, James, it's the Europa League. Thursday nights. No, I, I can get into that. You know, strange places on the continent. I mean, who wants to go to the new camp again? Who wants to go to Bernabeu? We've been to them, haven't we? You know, a bit of adventure, but something a bit different. I mean, in all seriousness, though, could it be a blessing in disguise? You know, this this is a new Liverpool team developing. You know, they find the feet in Europe in a, you know, what, what could be an easier competition. I mean, I mean, I'm happy winning any trophy. So, yeah, I'd like to go on and win it. But is this a better place to get that winning habit back in Europe? Oh, um, I, I, I'm not sure I'd des- describe life in the Europa League as a blessing in disguise because, you know, it's, I, I think for a club of Liverpool stature, they quite rightly expect and you expect them to be rubbing shoulders with, with the best in, in, in Europe and, and it is the poor relation. I don't think you can get away f- away from that. Yes, of course, it's still worth winning. It was good enough in its previous guys, wasn't it, for for Shankly and Paisley and Julier and 
you know those those triumphs were were cherished, and it would be the same if Klopp can get get his hands on that trophy in Dublin next next year, and you know that obviously adds another. I suppose if you're looking Dublin. at Dublin, I did not know this. Yeah, the finals in let's, Dublin. Let's go there. Let's win it. Let's do it. Europa League. I'm all in. Where's the Champions League? Not Dublin. So I'm not bothered anymore. Yeah, no, no, I'm all no, in no. now, James. I haven't even looked where the Champions League one is, but um... see, because it doesn't matter. The Europa League. It's where it's at now. <laughs> Dublin. It's... Imagine how many Reds there already are oh, in Dublin already. I know. Plus, I know. It however be... many would. It would be ridiculous, and and of course, I guess. If you if you're also looking if your glass is half full, you would also say, well, at least you know the Europa League also and offers in Dublin. A, a, it will be <laughs> definitely yeah. more than half full. <laughs> you, uh, it offers another route back to the Champions League because if Liverpool can obviously win it, it's that 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 that's the ticket to the Champions League as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I must admit, I can't I can't pretend <laughs> that I'm too too enthused about the prospect of life in the Europa League because. I thought Liverpool had left that behind. I thought, you know, it was, it takes you back to when Klopp first arrived. You know, the Europa League was almost looked upon as a bit of an irrelevance that season. And then suddenly, you know, Klopp managed to bang the drum and, and created this amazing momentum that led to that final in Basel and, and some great nights, didn't it? When you think about, you know, knocking out Manchester United and, you know, the fight back against Dortmund that was incredible. And then, you know, demolishing Villarreal in the second leg of the semi. So, yeah, come come September time, people will embrace it, won't they? But it's yeah, I just can't pretend I'm excited about it because because if anyone had said to me at the start of the season that Liverpool would end up in the Europa League, you'd have been absolutely devastated. Yeah, there's something very Roy Hodgson about it in some ways, isn't there? <laughs> you know, but I, it could provide the platform for youngsters like Benzo, you know, to get some minutes in Europe, and then you know, give Darwin Nunes a chance to finds his feet in continental competition. I'm a clutch in the throws. No, I don't think you are. I think it's a good competition to throw young players into the mix and also rest key players. You know, you can probably rest players more so than you could play in Champions League group stage football because you know how important and how, you know, Liverpool sometimes have looked like they might not get out of the group, even in recent seasons. We know it took a a great save from Alisson to ensure that happened on the way to Madrid, didn't it? So I think, you know, playing the likes of giving, you know, Ben Doak a chance or, you know, other players that might emerge next season too because a year ago no one was talking about Ben Doak and now, you know, he's done what he's done and and people are expecting him to be you know the the kid that goes and takes on the Europa League so that's you know props to him and what what he's been able to do and also Liverpool being able to attract and and bring him to the club as well I think players like Fabio Carvalho Harvey Elliott you just imagine they'd absolutely love the Europa League imagine you know starting Stefan Bajcetic again in the midfield you know letting him really cut his teeth as as he did obviously earlier in the season in the Europa League, let him, you know, find his way there. I think, you know, it can be a great experience for a lot of young players, but one Liverpool should definitely take seriously as well. It'll obviously cut out those half 12 Saturday kickoffs, which Liverpool have not fared so well in this season, which is another positive. Obviously, we've already mentioned young players, you know, being able to get more opportunities to play the rest, the rotation. I think, you know, fans will enjoy just being in Europe because, Obviously, it looked like that might not be happening a few weeks ago. And now, you know, Liverpool obviously on the way to the Europa League. And I think it'll be something that 
Liverpool should try and win and go in it and really like own it as you know they probably will be among the favourites if not the favourites given what they've accomplished in the past few seasons they've got to take that on and you know Jürgen's got to complete the set hasn't he because he failed to to win in Switzerland all them years ago and could potentially take Liverpool to what is it five European finals in eight years that's not bad and I think something that he would definitely want to do and then you know then Liverpool really are champions of of everything under Jürgen Klopp yeah I mean for me I think as a supporter going to places that are off the beaten track is nice and all that and getting rid of that's a brilliant point Kiva getting rid of the R12 kickoffs you know (laughs) I mean they were barely awake but I mean the season's going to feel it's going to have a different structure to this one James and um you know, it's going to take a little bit of adapting from everyone. But, you know, you've you've got to think the squads, if they buy right, has got to be strong enough to make a proper run at winning this trophy. Yeah, 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 100%. Um, and, I, and I think as well, life in the Europa League will will mean, as you touched upon earlier, with you know, potential minutes for younger players, you know, he will be able to juggle his resources a lot more in the group stage than, say, he would do in the Champions League, where, of course, you know, the higher calibre of opponent, you know, financially, it's worth so much more as well. So I think that should hopefully negate that kind of any fears that, you know, sometimes in the Europa League, it can involve more travelling. It can, you know, you have the the Thursday-Sunday cycle, which I know people say, oh, what's the difference between Thursday-Sundays and Wednesday-Saturdays? But it's like, you just have, I don't know, I remember when Liverpool were in that competition last time, you just always had that feeling of playing catch-up domestically where you know you inevitably have a lot more Sunday games than Saturday games and but yeah he will be able to utilize the depth of his squad and 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 hopefully hold players back for for you know the the Sunday Premier League game because that, that that's where it can become quite awkward where you're not getting back till you know if you're not getting back to you know three four o'clock in the morning on a you know if you, if you come straight back or even staying over and then coming back later on the Friday and then you know you've got very little time to prepare for the the weekend Premier League game, but you're right. I mean, it even and, and Klopp wasn't just, you know, I think sometimes managers obviously just try and put a, a brave face on things, don't they? But to be fair to Klopp, even a month ago when he was asked about the possibility of the Europa League or heaven forbid, even the Europa Conference League and thank God Liverpool aren't facing up to life in that. You know, he said, I've, I promise you we'll embrace whatever we're given. And he was, you know, he was banging that drum on, on Saturday and, you know, quite honest in terms of saying... With the kind of season we've had, you know, we we deserve to be in the Europa League. But you know what? We're going to try and make it our competition. You know, we're not going to turn our nose up at it and say, you know, we're far too good to be wasting our time in this because Liverpool haven't been haven't been too good um, for life in the Europa League. They, it's where they it's where they deserve to be, having made so many missteps over the course of this season. So um, yeah, it's not where they want to be, but you, they've just got to you've got to make the best of it, and that will be exactly what Klopp will be preaching behind the scenes. Well, I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's something to look forward to, but if if they approach it in the right way, it might turn out brilliant. As you said, Kiva, Dublin at this time of year, Guinness. Champions League finals in Wembley as well. Liverpool have been there too much, I'd say. So it's a bit of a, a boarding ground to win the Champions League, and I'd say. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Well, all right. I'm I'm signed up for a trip for Dublin this time next year. That'd suit me. And that's all from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to James and Kiva, and you as well for listening. 
We'll be back on Thursday. We'll catch you then. The Athletic.